Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. But today, I'm all by myself. No guests today. You just get to hear from me. And I'm going to be talking about weaning. It's a topic that is sometimes not very well understood. So I really want to take that on. And You might be saying to yourself, well, come on, Marie, like everybody knows what weaning is. Well, actually, no, not so much so. Especially here in the United States, I would say that outside of the U.S., it is better understood. But here in the U.S., people, mothers, parents, even professionals, talk to me about weaning, and they presume that there's mother-led weaning and there's self-weaning or child-led weaning. And they think that just because the baby stops breastfeeding, that the, he is therefore weaning. And that's not true. So I really want to talk to you a little bit about what exactly weaning is and what it isn't. And why I'm so convinced that babies who are less than a year old, this is my premise, babies who are less than a year old are highly unlikely to wean themselves, self-weaning, child-led weaning, whatever you want to call it. It is certainly possible, okay, but it is highly unlikely. So... Let's back up a minute. As you know, if you spend any time with me, you know that I really like to look at words, what words mean. Uh, sometimes, in this case, I'm, I'm not going to go for the etymology so much as I'm going to go for an entirely different language. And that is, I picked this up from Dr. William Sears. And he says, weaning is not a negative term, nor is it something you do to a child. Okay. He says weaning is a journey from one relationship to another. And then he goes on to say, I found this very interesting. The Hebrew word for wean is gamal, which means to ripen. And for those of you who are fluent in Hebrew, and if I just miss Uh, pronounce your word, I'm really sorry. It's G-A-M-A-L. So I think that it's really good to look at this as not a negative term, not something you do. It's not an event so much as it is a process. It's a journey from one relationship to the other. And I really like this idea of ripening. Or if it were a person because obviously baby is a person, you might say that he is uh, come of of age, so to speak, with his food journey. 
So as you know, a few minutes ago, I just said, no, kids who are less than one year old, nope, I don't buy it. They don't wean themselves. I can just hear some of you out there screaming at me. You're saying, now, Marie, you listen here. My kid really did this. I know this. No, no, he stopped. I'm telling you, he stopped dead in his tracks. He was done. Mm, Maybe. Is that really an indicator of self-weaning, or might it be a misperception or a misinterpretation? I would say that of the parents that I have talked to over a career, almost always it is a misperception or a misinterpretation. So nobody's going to blame you if you got it wrong. In fact, I would be the first one to say, shoot, we all get things wrong every day. And sometimes it's just because we just didn't understand. So I'd like you to help. Uh, I'd like to help you understand. And by the way, whether or not you decide to allow the baby to self-wean him, wean himself, that's another whole story. That's a decision-making process, and I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just here to help you to recognize uh, that weaning before age one is not the biological norm, although it certainly is the social norm, and to look at What else is it that we have as clues to help guide us in our correct understanding of what it is and what it isn't? So you might wonder, Marie, I'm pretty U.S. centric. Mm, Yep, so am I. Okay. So what other, what can we learn from other cultures? And by the way, I want to be quick to say that last, at last count, this show is in 65 different countries. So I know that the majority are in the U.S., but that being said, when does weaning typically happen in other cultures? And truth is, if you look at the World Health Organization and other authorities, they will tell you that in most cultures, weaning from the breast does not occur until the baby is more than two years old, possibly three years old, possibly four years old. And I don't think that they're just blowing smoke at you. All right. I have known of people who have lived in many different cultures and they all tell me the same thing, that babies do not wean themselves before two years old. Okay, well, what else do we know? Look at any ancient text. And I think that you will find that in ancient times, People just presumed that babies were going to be continued breastfeeding until until they were done, which was toddlerhood or childhood, but certainly not early infancy or even late infancy. So in those days, and even nowadays in other cultures, breastfeeding is talked about in terms of years, not months, Okay. So I think that that's a real interesting way to realize that although it is not socially acceptable here in the U.S., it is socially acceptable elsewhere. And that brings me to my next point, which is, what about from a biological perspective? Now here, I think we've got some really compelling information. 
The most compelling that I can think of, there's actually two things that really intrigue me. Number one is what we can learn from other large primates. This is not my work. It is actually the work of Dr. Catherine Detweiler. And Dr. Detweiler is, I believe, an anthropologist. But she has done work in this field for years. And she looks at other large-bodied primates. And by that, uh, I mean things like monkeys, apes, orangutans, those sorts of things. And she found, in fact... The other large body primates do not wean their babies until the baby has quadrupled in birth weight. Okay, well, for humans, that would be about 27 to 30 months. That is when the baby is about two and a half. The other thing she found was that they wait until their babies have reached one-third of their adult weight. For most of us, as humans, that would be about 4.7 years. Whoa, just a little short of kindergarten, eh? Other large-bodied primates do not wean their baby until they exceed six times the gestational period, how long the, the mother is pregnant. Okay, well, do the math. For humans, it takes nine months of pregnancy, so if you multiply that six times nine, you've got four and a half years old. Again, just a little bit short of kindergarten. Other large-bodied primates do not wean their babies until the babies erupt their permanent molars. Whoa, hold on to your hats here, folks. For humans, that would be not until the baby is about five and a half or six years old. And finally, I think it's pretty interesting that we are supposedly smarter than the animals. Well, I mean, we are an animal, but the the other animals, they've got it figured out. They have realized that their milk keeps their babies safe from infection And so they do not wean the babies until the baby has attained full immune competence. For humans, that's about six years of age. So what can we figure out from that? We can realize that somewhere between about two and a half and six years old is when the human would be weaning their babies if they followed what other large-bodied primates do. Again, I would love to take credit for that, but in fact, no, sorry. So I just think that's, that's really compelling. And the other piece that I think is really compelling, I can't tell you how many mothers I've found who do not know this. Now, if you've got a small baby, say in the first two months or so, You've probably noticed that the soft spot in the back of his head closes up about two months or so, give or take a little bit. But in fact, the one in the front is substantially longer to knit together. And experts disagree on this. Some will say 18 months, 22 months, somewhere around in there. That is when the skull knits together 
and those soft spots are taken care of. All right, great. Why would babies have that? Well, because their brain is still growing. So would it not make sense that if the brain is still growing, you would want to grow your baby's brain with what would be the optimal food, and hello, that would be human milk, human milk for human babies, right? I have never seen anybody who wants to grow their kid into a 120-pound calf, all right? So really look and, and realize how the baby is built, what's going on, and how much sense that makes. Or here's another one. The most amount of, of development of the baby's hand happens around four months, and that's important because what happens is about four months, five months, six months, somewhere around in there, the baby starts to be able to pick up food and feed himself. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later, but just keep that in mind. I think it's important to, to understand your milk really changes with the age of the baby. It is literally a custom blend every single day. And at the same time, as far as I know, we are the only species that routinely drinks another species' milk. Sure, uh, you know, there are little kitties who will try other species' milk. Absolutely, no doubt about it. But do they do it on a routine basis? No. Now, at least here in the U.S., we all know that we cannot feed whole cow's milk to a baby before he's a year old. But there's a reason for that. It's because the baby's digestive system can't handle it. So wouldn't it kind of make sense that we would not be giving that, that we would still be giving human milk at least until one year? And wouldn't the, the baby's body be smart enough to know that if the gut can't handle it, he shouldn't be taking in something other than his mother's milk. Here's another thing. We have got uh, cholesterol, which is in human milk. And you say, cholesterol, Marie, isn't that bad? No, 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 no. Cholesterol is good for babies. That uh, it really, uh, it feeds into the whole idea of the fat in the human brain, the development of the human brain, the myelinization of the nerves and all of that. So, yes, from a nutritional standpoint, human milk is best. And human milk is also a, like a little remote immune system for the baby. It helps the mother with child spacing. It helps with emotional needs. And so much more that we know about the mother benefits Things like, for instance, research clearly shows that longer duration of lactation protects against cancer. Now, notice I said protects. I didn't say prevents. But abrupt weaning can also really mess up your hormones, and that can increase the likelihood of your experiencing depression. I don't know if there's any truth to this, but I will just tell you what Dr. William Sears says. He says that children uh, who nurse for at least a few years are, get this, more independent and self-confident, are more likely to gravitate towards people rather than things, are easier to discipline, they experience less anger, and they radiate trust. Uh, I'm not sure where he got the evidence for that, but it wouldn't surprise me. 
And if I remember right, I think that Dr. Bill Sears is the father of eight children. He probably has a little homemade evidence there. So I just want to tell you that it's not just moms who get confused about this. It is also professionals. When I'm giving my lactation courses, I frequently find that people don't know this. And which, by the way, speaking of my lactation courses, uh, visit me at breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. If you are preparing for the IBLCE exam, we have courses, registrations opened, and this is the season. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where today we're talking about weaning. And before we really dive into this, I just want to say that at the end of the first segment, I mentioned to you that if you're prepping for the IBLCE exam, you should visit me at breastfeedingoutlook.com because I have my professional courses there. And whether you are a professional or a parent or just an interested other, you are welcome to visit me on my other site, which is mariebiancuzzo.com. I'll repeat that. It's mariebiancuzzo.com, M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O.com. And there you're going to find a whole bunch of really cool stuff. We've got some seasonal specials. We've got some free giveaways. We've got a lot of cool stuff. So don't miss it. Go to moribiancuto.com. All right. So in the first segment, I hope that I convinced you that self-weaning before the baby is one year old is perhaps possible, but I think it is highly, highly, highly unlikely. So you're probably asking, Maria, I'm still like, I'm not following you here because I'm telling you my kid weaned himself before one year. And I'm going to challenge you to ask yourself, did he really wean or did you maybe misinterpret the cues of what was going on? And is there, is there a different explanation? And the answer is yes. There are actually three different possible explanations. The first one would be low milk supply, and the second one might be what I would call substitutes, and the third one would be some outside force, like, for instance, medications. All right, so let's unpack all of this. What about the low milk supply? Typically, when I have seen cases of low milk supply that are, I'm going to say, obvious, it's when the baby is a lot younger. By the time that you are up and running with breastfeeding, you know, three or four months and it's like, hey, you're into it. This is going well. Baby is pretty much self-service. Life is good. Automatic pilot. So you've got this hopefully robust supply and you might not recognize when it starts to go down. And could that, could that, be what the baby is reacting to. Let me back up for just a minute and talk to you a little bit about how milk supply works. Are you familiar with the idea of a positive feedback system? A positive feedback system is a fancy term for saying, the more you got, the more you got, okay? So if you've got a baby who is vigorously nursing and nursing and nursing and nursing and nursing, And you've got stimulation, 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 and removal of milk, removal of milk, removal of milk. Lo and behold, you will have even more milk because the body understands that the more milk that's taken out, the more milk it needs to produce. That's a positive feedback loop. But sometimes you're just not aware that your milk supply is starting to go down. And your baby might be aware In fact, I think it's pretty highly likely that your baby is more aware than you're aware. And he might have just decided, hey, you know, eh, no thanks, it's not worth the bother. And maybe he will accept something else. 
and maybe you're offering something else. So let's talk about that. I will tell you over helping hundreds, if not thousands of women, I have no idea how many women by now, almost always the reason for a low milk, let me put it this way, the vast majority of times when a mother has a low milk supply is lack of frequency. Now, before you jump at me, yes, I'm well aware that there are other explanations, but most times infrequent or inadequate stimulation is the reason for not enough milk. And it goes back to the whole idea that milk making is, guess what? A positive feedback loop. This is the way the body is is designed. Okay? So it might be that you're going back to work. It might be that you have um, scheduled feedings. It might be that you're doing sleep training for your baby. You're trying to get the baby to sleep through the night. And which, by the way, if you are doing sleep training, I would suggest that you listen to both shows that I did with Dr. Tracy Castles. Dr. Tracy Castles is the owner of evolutionaryparenting.com. I would suggest that you read her blogs, but you definitely need to listen to both shows that I did with Dr. Castles because she really knows her stuff on this sleep training stuff. All right. uh, So that could be another reason. Another one is that you are not offering, that you are not offering frequently enough. And you say, well, yeah, I'm feeding him when he's hungry. What am I supposed to do here? Maybe. Keep in mind that we've said this for years. If you're trying to let the baby wean himself, you do the, well, one of the possible strategies is, Don't offer, don't refuse. So asking yourself this is important. Am I offering? Am I offering frequently enough? Am I refusing? Am I delaying? It's so easy. You know, you get busy, you get distracted. We all do it. It's true. Any of those might be some explanations for why you've got infrequent or at least less frequent stimulation. And heaven knows there's more as well. But those are are some common ones. And then there are what I call the substitute issues. Are you giving the baby formula? Remember, we just talked about that. Formula is cow's milk based or, well, I suppose it wouldn't have to be, but it usually is. Is it possible that you're giving them a pacifier? Now, understand, after the baby is a month or so old, after breastfeeding is well-established, lactation is physiologically well-established and so forth, I'm not fundamentally opposed to the pacifier. Where I get a little nuts is when parents are offering the pacifier in place of a feeding or to hold off a feeding. Not only have I seen this, I've heard parents say this to me as well. We're just trying to hold him off. Okay, just remember that when you're holding him off, that decreases stimulation. So that could be a possibility. Here's another one. Offering a a bottle with an artificial nipple. I'm not keen on bottles and I'm not keen on artificial nipples. But let me just go to the artificial nipple part for a minute. 
when the baby is sucking a breast, he's using his tongue in a way where it humps up and it sort of, um, I'm doing it with my hand right now, it moves in sort of a wave-like motion from front to back and it kind of, it just moves in this sort of humping is the only word I'm thinking of. I'm sorry, but it occurs to me that for some people that's vulgar, but anyway. All right. The, when, when the baby sucks the nipple, the artificial nipple, his tongue doesn't work that way. It, it moves in a much more up and down piston-like motion. So remember what you've now done is you've taught the baby to get a different skill. He's learned that if his tongue just goes up and down flat like a piston, he can get the milk out of the artificial nipple. Now, when he goes back to the breast, he's like, whoa, what happened here? So that may be somewhat of a turnoff to him. It is certainly possible. And by the way, I also tell parents, I know I'm a little off track here, but wait until your baby can take a cup because using the cup enables him to use his tongue more like when he uses the breast. So don't give him that interim step if you can possibly help it. All right, so giving a baby a bottle uh, with an artificial nipple is one of these what I would call substitute issues. And then there are solids. Now this makes me really, really uneasy because, first of all, most parents are offering solids too early. It used to be that we used to say four to six months you can offer your baby solids. So some pediatricians are still going for the four months, and that is just not best practice right now. Okay, say so if you've heard that, um no. And you could say to me, Marie, don't you think that there are kids that really do need soft, semi-soft, or solid foods at four months? Uh, Sure. I I think that's entirely possible. But those kids are few and far between. Again, you know, I'm not going to tell you that, that there are like these really hard and fast rules, but it's possible but it's usually not likely. So ask yourself, if the baby is filling up on the soft, the semi-soft, or the solid foods, then maybe he just doesn't want a nurse because he's already got enough. He's, he's contented. He's got enough calories, enough nutrients. He's good to go. So he is disinterested because he's hungry. I'm trying to make a case here for this disinterest. The disinterest does not equal weaning. That's what I'm trying to say. All right, there could be other reasons. It's possible that you're on some sort of medication that has decreased your milk supply. People always ask me about the safety of a medication, and I say, okay, before we talk about safety, how about we talk about is it going to have an effect on the volume of your milk? And that's certainly possible. Like, for instance, are, did you just start on a contraceptive that contains estrogen? That could mess up your milk supply. Some people say antihistamines or decongestants. I got to tell you, I've looked at this many times. 
I, I do believe that it has an effect. What I'm not clear about if it's, is if it has an effect on everybody, every time, in all circumstances. Uh, it could be something like, for instance, sage is a very well-known uh, suppressant. Now, I don't know too many people that are going around just drinking sage tea because, frankly, it tastes awful. But there are there's at least one uh, case study on board where a woman was drinking a lot, a lot, a lot of mint tea. Remember that mint is in the same family with the sage. Now, honestly, I, I'm, I don't really think that's a whole big deal. I think you'd have to really drink a lot of it. And I wouldn't worry about it if you had one of those little you know, like chocolate patties with the mint or something like that. I wouldn't worry about that at all. But if you're if you're taking in big uh, quantities of something that is a known suppressant, yeah, that's a problem. Now, here's another one that I forgot to mention. But also, if you are pregnant, now in the early part of pregnancy, uh, your milk supply will probably pretty much stay with you, but not so afterwards. Afterwards. What you're, uh, in the later part of pregnancy, your milk supply will dwindle and there's pretty much nothing you can do about it. Okay, then, what about some other reasons why babies are disinterested but not weaning? And that would be developmental changes and developmental capabilities. The baby is distractible, okay? He's got some new motor skills. He's got some new sensory skills. He wants to know what's going on, and he wants to be part of the action. So because babies are very mobile, sometimes they just really don't want to hang around uh, and just sit out and nurse. They just think that's boring. So that's another possibility. Uh, he might have figured out that he could cup feed and he could be on the go and cup feed, whereas if he's nursing, he can't be on the go. So he might have done that. Here's another thing that I find very frequently people get really confused with is nursing strikes. A nursing strike is not weaning. And I would say that most, if not all, parents get confused with this. Weaning or self-weaning is likely to take place after age two or so. A nursing strike generally happens somewhere after six months and any time thereafter. But the big difference is that with weaning, it's, it's a gradual deal, all right? A gradual onsets, onset, it's more of a process, whereas a nursing strike is more of an event, I've heard mothers say, uh, 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 no, Marie, I'm telling you, this kid self-weaned. I woke up one morning and he was all done. He never wanted to do it again. And I say, like, did that just happen overnight? Yes, it happened overnight. Okay, well, if it happened overnight, that's abrupt. That's a nursing strike. Why do babies have nursing strikes? Um, well, it could be that they have pain. It could be that the pain is more like in their mouth. Uh, like, for instance, uh, Sometimes babies will have thrush in their mouth, or it could be related to his mouth. Like, for instance, he's teething. It could be something as simple as it's a big holiday and there's a lot of noise and a lot of commotion at his house. It could be that the baby is sick. Some babies will want to nurse more when they are sick. Others have a strike. Sometimes 
it's because the baby remembers that there was uh, an event where he bit you and you reacted dramatically. And especially if you said no real sharply like that. If he remembers that, he might have a nursing strike shortly thereafter. Or another possibility is like uh, if there's been an extended separation, you went on a business trip for five days or something like that. All right, so when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about how to fix a nursing strike, and we're also going to talk about some of those other ways in which you can reduce the possibilities of babies being disinterested. Don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuso. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. We're talking about the difference between self-weaning and disinterest or nursing strikes. So just before the break, I said, here's what a strike looks like. So now I kind of want to tackle. So what are you going to do about it to reverse a nursing strike? You say, no, actually, I want to keep going with this. What can I do? Offer to nurse, but do not force. Babies should never be force-fed. Shucks, older kids or adults should never be force-fed. So just offer, but do not force. A lot of times, though, you can offer when the baby is kind of sleepy and he doesn't really have the wherewithal to turn you down. So you can try that. Uh, Some babies, if they like a bath, sometimes you can get in the bath water with them, kind of stroke them, get them warm, get them a little bit massaged, et cetera, et cetera. And they might nurse right in the bath. That might be fine. Be sure that you do some skin-to-skin contact with the baby whenever you possibly can. And when he's drowsy, again, that's a good time because, remember, the skin-to-skin is going to keep up your milk supply because of the hormones. Now, again, remember, this is probably a busy boy. He's probably not real interested in just holding still for a whole lot of that. But he might agree to being in uh, a sling. And we've talked about slings on this show before. I know that we had Samantha Bunnell come maybe maybe a year or so ago. She talked about different types of slings, how to use them, how to wear them, and so forth. Uh, so you could try that. Look and see if the baby has a stuffy nose. Because if they have a stuffy nose, they're afraid they're going to suffocate while they're, they're nursing. So do whatever you want to do to try to get his nose unstuffied. One of the first things that I do, at least for myself and certainly for a baby, is to just put some water in the kettle on the stove. You'll get a little bit of moisture in the air. Sometimes that's just enough to loosen things up. I have known of mothers who have put a little breast milk into the baby's nose, like with a dropper. I would not do that, but uh, I don't know. I guess some people tell me it works and it's fine. They say that it really loosens things up. Uh, meanwhile, consider some ideas that if the baby's having some pain, look at what his pain is and try to figure out what can you would do about that. For instance, if he's old enough to have some acetaminophen, uh, you could give him something that will help his pain in that way. If the baby is teething and you're figuring that he's got pain because of that, you could give him a teething ring. You could even give him just a frozen washcloth. That would be fine. I've also known of mothers who have given what I call frozen milk sickles. And the baby kind of chews on those. Uh, It gets the milk down him, but it also really helps him to get that uh, numbness, if you will, that comes from uh, the cold. Uh, some parents will choose to put some sort of products on their baby's gums and, uh, you can go scout those out for yourself, but believe me, lots of parents use them. Uh, sometimes you can do something as simple as maybe just changing position. So for example, if you're trying to nurse the baby in a position where his head is mostly down, you know yourself that if your nose is stuffy, you want to be more upright. So you might try that. Or if you've got a baby who kind of wants to be like where the action is, you could try walking around with the baby. 
see if maybe then he will nurse. He wants to be where the action is great. You put yourself in motion with him attached to you. Then he might decide it's okay. Or you could even try some soothing music in the background. Here's a big one. Cut out the distractions. Sometimes just going into a quiet, dark room. You could absolutely try that. It doesn't always work, but it's certainly possible. Uh, kind of another piece here that isn't exactly baby-focused, but it's certainly you-focused, which is nursing strikes do occur abruptly. And if so, you might find that you have to express your milk either by hand or with a pump if you start to feel yourself becoming engorged, because you definitely don't want that, right? So just keep that in mind. And then you've got to tell yourself like 50 million times, this is not weaning. This is a nursing strike. Nursing strikes resolve within a couple of days. And if you are really committed to trying to keep the baby nursing like until he weans himself, then just kind of stick it out for the first couple of days. And, you know, here's the thing. It's really hard sometimes. You have some negative self-talk. You say, oh, he doesn't want me. I'm not a good mother, blah, blah, blah. No, cut out this negative self-talk. That's not a good thing, okay? Uh, do not offer any bottles. Do not offer formula. And don't rush to give him any water either. You certainly could give him some water. Uh if you're worried about him being dehydrated, remember that if you've got a baby that's that old and he's healthy, uh, he's not going to get dehydrated instantly. But you certainly could give him some water. I would give it to him in a cup. Most kids at age six months or so can take a sippy cup. So you can try that. Um it's really important to just remember this is this is really temporary and it's not like this whole great big deal. All right, so I want to move then to something that I alluded to a few minutes ago, and that is about overcoming the whole idea of the complementary foods. The World Health Organization calls them complementary foods, and I'm fairly sure that they define that as soft, semi-soft, or uh, solid foods. And here's what they say. They say, in the first six or eight months, offer the complementary foods two to three times a day. That's not very much. They say, World Health Organization now, between a nine and 11 months old, offer the complementary or table foods three to four times a day. Still, not very much. And somewhere between a year and two years, offer three meals. That's meals. Plus one or two snacks in a day. Now, notice the big differentiation here. I think it's really important that, that they say offer foods beginning around six months. They don't say, sit there and wait until the baby takes it. And they don't say, keep trying until he takes it. Or he's got to take this amount. All they do is say, offer, offer. So first couple of months after six months, so six to eight months, they're saying, offer two to three times a day, I am going to estimate that that will be less than 25% of the baby's actual intake for the day. 
So try to kind of visualize this for yourself. Nine to 11 months, they're saying offer three to four times a day. I'm going to guess that's less than half of the food the baby is going to take in, which means that the other half is coming from your milk, right? But see, if you're giving them all this table food, then yeah, your milk supply is going to go down and yeah, he's going to be disinterested. And one year, then sure, give him three or four meals a day and some snacks. By then, he's got 75% or so of his food coming from food and oh, by the way, the rest from your milk. Now, I will tell you with absolute certainty rarely do I meet a mother who knows, and this includes mothers who are professionals as well. Most do not know that they're supposed to offer the breast first and then offer the table food. And I will say it once again, because I want to make sure that you get this straight. Offer the breast first and then offer the table food. And if the baby doesn't want it, that's fine. I know a lot of people who say they just put out appropriate finger food, and I am in that corner. Appropriate finger food where the baby can just feed himself. Now, remember, I'm saying appropriate, so no seeds, no honey, no sweets, none of that stuff, all right? Because the baby will self-select. And the other thing that I would suggest is do not use a spoon. I've fed babies more than more than once. And I can tell you that I put X amount on the spoon because that looks right to me. And then I have a subconscious expectation that the baby is going to take everything that is on the spoon. And then what do I do? I sit there and, you know, I kind of fiddle around with it until he takes what's on the spoon. I don't think that spoons are really appropriate. So if you're really trying to conserve yourself here, if you're trying to go the whole distance with letting the baby truly self-wean, remember that a spoon may be a, it messes you up is what I'm trying to say. You may be in a situation where you get the baby taking too much table food and then he is disinterested in nursing. Disinterest is not equivalent to self-weaning. All right, so then look at some other things that are going on. So we talked about like going back to work. Well, you probably are still going to go back to work. But what can you alter in that go to back to work thing? For example, can you really have a marathon of nursing over the weekend? You might even consider what's called reverse cycle nursing. That is to be nursing the baby at night. Now that would not be for me, but I have known some mothers that it really works really well for. They just nurse all night. Cut out the formula if you're still trying to keep him uh, on your own milk, watch the pacifiers, either cut them out or just don't have them be a mother substitute. If you are tempted to give a bottle, I would strongly encourage you. Baby six months older can generally take a sippy cup. That would be a better way because then, well, like everything I just told you earlier, um, with the table food, which World Health Organization calls complementary food, that is soft, semi-soft, or solid foods, uh, that comes after the baby has had a good nursing. So any and all of these are some ways in which I think that you can distinguish between what is 
nursing, what is weaning, what is self-weaning, what is disinterest, and what is a nursing strike. So any of those things are possibilities, and you should, uh, you've got to make your own decision, okay? You do. You've got to figure out what you want, but certainly if you're really hoping to continue the nursing relationship, you've got to be able to figure out difference between the disinterest and the weaning. So before we go today, I have a couple of important things I want to tell you. First, I want to thank all of you for listening. Without you, I wouldn't have a show. So thank you. I'm truly grateful to have the opportunity to share just a bit of my wisdom with you each week. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, please spread the word. You already know how important it is to rate, review, and share. That's what it's all about these days. If you think other people would enjoy the show as much as you do, please think about taking just a couple of minutes to go and give us a rating and review on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Next, I want you to tell every military family you know. Marie will be offering an educational special for all servicemen and women in November. Yes, that's right. You got it. We will be offering nursing credits and also SERPs at special prices for all military personnel and their spouses. All you have to do is call my office and identify yourself as military. Here's my number at the office. It's 703-787-9894. Or if you'd rather, you can drop us an email and we'll give you the scoop. Uh, that would be podcast at borntobebreastfed.com. All right. So finally, I'd like to see you in person. Look, at if you've ever had the remotest interest in becoming an international board certified lactation consultant, there's no time like now. And trust me, there's no place like sunny, fun-filled Orlando. Don't get the winter doldrums and have them get you down again. All right. Register now to get your early bird special for my comprehensive lactation course. And I'll be happy to see you in Orlando. So why don't you come before the course? Or you could stay late. Bring the family and go to Disney World. And if you can't make it to Orlando, I'll also be in Dallas giving my comprehensive lactation course. And if traveling isn't your thing, no problem. You can still take my course online. Be sure to visit my website. It's mariebiancuzzo.com. That's M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O.com. And there you'll find my blog and plenty more. So that's all the time we got today. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next week. And in the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. 